Main Street to Wall Street, global business celebrity and former Fortune 100 C-suite executive Jeffrey Hazlett takes you inside the good, the bad, and the ugly of businesses today. Saddle up. It's time for All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Hey, today's guest turned reality TV dreams into reality. Elise Olashak and her husband, Nick, were big fans of Shark Tank when they came up with their own business idea. Get this, donut hole-sized bagels with cream cheese stuffed inside. Oh, my God, does that sound great. Success didn't stop at Shark Tank. Bantam Bagels went from a New York City storefront to grocery stores and Starbucks across America. There's more to the business than bagels. Elise is also dedicated to helping inspire future entrepreneurs. Elise, welcome to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Thank you for having me. Thank you for that great introduction. Absolutely. So which which sharks were on the Shark Tank with you? Which ones did you have? Well, we made our deal with Lori, but we also uh, had offers from Kevin and Barbara at the time. Um, Mark was on the panel and Robert was there. Yeah. yeah, Robert. So my good friend, my good friend Damon wasn't there, but I know every single one of those sharks and yeah. uh, and and I've done many, many things with Kevin. Kevin seems he's doing well. He's a he's a what which one did you like? You did it with Lori, but I mean, why Lori? Well, from I think she's the best one. She was the best fit for us. She takes um she's known for making having solutions to what seem like obvious solutions to everyday problems. And that's what we thought we were doing, you know, bagels. Who doesn't love a bagel? That's an everyday item. It's iconic. It's something that everybody loves and fits literally within everybody's life. But what we were doing was just creating a little bit of a twist on it and making it a solution to a problem in your iconic, like food eating life. You don't want it's too big. It's too messy on the go. It's too much of a carb. carb. Yeah. Yeah, It's like too big of a commitment. All of those reasons led people to be like, Oh, a bagel. I'll, I'll leave that on Saturday. I love them so much. So we were making it an everyday accessible, still just as delicious. You know, the product is key has to be delicious, has to be just as amazing and craveable as that iconic big bagel. But we were making it, um, like a lifestyle change where you could you could take a Bantam bagel and eat it every single day. So it just felt like the right link with Lori. It's kind of, that's in her wheelhouse. She's so smart. She's so, you know, we've learned a lot from her. She's the kind of person that pays it forward. Uh, we've learned a lot about networking with her, like always yeah. give more than you expect to receive. And ultimately it always ends out working out for you. Um, she just, she's awesome. She was the right girl for us. Yeah. She's a, she's a good gal and she's a good, a good business person, regardless of, of sex, rather men, women, whatever. She's just a good business yeah. person. She's great. I want to go back to the beginning because you were working on wall street during the last recession. Yes. And you, and from what I read, you had no culinary experience. So why, why bagels? What, what, you know, it's kind of a niche product, first of all. I mean, it's not, yeah. it's not the thing you see everywhere, although you see bagels more often around the world. Even in South Dakota, we'll find, we got a bagel shop and we finally have one out here. But, but, you know, what, what, what gave you the idea that just said, hey, I'm from on Wall Street. I can do this. Well, just because we weren't cooks didn't mean we weren't eaters. We still, we were, you know, foodies. We lived in Brooklyn for 12 years. We've met at Columbia. So we've been in the city for like 
ever. And bagels just become part of who you are in New York. I mean, you live in New York part time, so you know the deal. Um, You know, Nick and I, my husband, we were working on Wall Street during that. Yeah. The big, when the stock market, basically the economy blew up, half of our friends lost their jobs overnight. And, um, you know, we were young and unafraid and we had ideas and we had hustle and we had just more, we knew we had more to give and we knew, you know, we had watched sort of like the professional infrastructure in front of our eyes dissolve. And we said, if there's ever a chance to take a risk, to just get on the end line and sprint and just try something out, it's now. Let's try and own our own destiny. We have this crazy idea that is so good. It makes people jump up and down. Um, if not now, when? And if it's not going to be us, someone else is going to do it. We just had that feeling about this idea. It was too obvious that if, if we didn't do it first, we knew someone else was going to do it. Yeah, I I can remember one of my favorite bagel products was bagel dogs. Remember those? I don't know if they still. I don't know that. (laughs) Yeah, they they were hot dogs inside of bagels, little tiny bagel (laughs) dogs. I loved them. I thought they were great. Still do. I I gotta acquire. Yeah. So I can just imagine that you and your husband are sitting there in Brooklyn, your you know city apartment, kitchen with flour flying everywhere. Was was it kind of like that? Exactly, exactly what it was like. In the morning before work, in the afternoon, up until midnight after work, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of batches, seeds everywhere, flour everywhere, different strands of yeast we would try out. We would take the dough and put it in our laundry room, in our like studio apartment, close the door <laughs> because it was dark and moist yeah. enough to let like the dough rise. And we tried all that kind of stuff out. We used to walk around the park and be like, mm, you know, it would be really good to get like some cheddar and Dijon inside of a bagel. Let's try that. You know, and it was just, it was one of those like creative things that started product first yeah. Um, yeah. Until we just like absolutely nailed it. And I remember Nick sort of boiled, baked, filled one bagel for me before he left for his Wall Street job one morning. And he's like, it's on the counter. Try it. The one bite. And I did the old like jump up and down. We nailed it. This is amazing. <laughs> we were like off to the races. We always had a big picture in mind. You know, we wanted to change the way people ate bagels we knew that New York, if you can prove your concept there, the bagel, you can make it anywhere. So we were like, we've got the product. Let's do it. Let's open up a shop. Let's prove out the concept. Let's make sure this works, perfect everything. And then we're going big. So that's what's really your fa- What's your favorite bagel, by the way? I'm just curious. Oh my God. I actually, every single day, totally with my two kids, still eat the plain bagel and plain cream cheese. Listen, we make a great bagel. It's just like, I'm yeah. a big, you know, I'm a purist. There you go. Who was, yeah. who did you, all right. So you had that, that one. All right. So then you put them in these little bites, right? So you say, okay, we're going to come up with, we're going to do it differently. All right. So you got that. Who did you test the first one on? I mean, Started cause you had to go my- around with them and say, okay, eat this, eat this. Who, who yeah, was that? And nobody said no. <laughs> they were yeah. so good. We we started with friends and family, and then the circles yeah. got become bigger. And then Nick and I, we would have like you know parties at the Prospect Park, and we would invite fifty of our nearest and dearest, where everyone was just eating bagels. We found a guy, you know, and at the same time, we put ourselves on. And a lot of the lessons we learned early days were from Shark Tank. 
we said, okay, well, Shark Tank taught us how to capital raise. So let's put together a business plan and put ourselves on a mini roadshow. So we called everyone we knew, friends and family network from Wall Street. And we started like renting um, restaurant private rooms and uh, going to people's after hour, like boardrooms and just putting on a presentation. If you don't try it. it. Yeah. Pitch it. Right. I mean, that's what you do. That's what you do. I mean, I'm, I'm doing it right now. I I mentioned this morning about the fact that uh, one of the, one of our partners sold for 225 million, you know, Gimwood was sold for 340 million. And so I'm writing a letter right now. I've never raised money for our C-suite radio network. I'm going to go out and raise some money. Because it's time. It's time yeah. to put it down. I mean, I've got growth rates of, you know, 480% right now. It's amazing. So, yeah, we should be doing it. Hey, let's take a quick break. And I want to come back and ask you some more questions about lesson learned on Shark Tank QVC. And then I also want to know, when did you know you really hit it? I mean, when was that moment? Let's come right back. We'll take a quick break and uh, be right back. C-Suite Radio. All right. When, when did you know that, okay, you tested it, you tried it, you so forth, you got it. When did you know that, hey, man, we've got it. This is it. That, that, that moment you knew you were going to be successful. Um, I think it was the week before we opened up our retail shop. We had been hustling our butts off for months. I mean, basically birthing a store, birthing a new process, birthing a new product, all from scratch, learning every step of the way, how to hire, how to, you know, just everything, how to set up HVAC and how to make authentic bagels in a, you know, in a little shop. And it was the week before we opened when the Wall Street Journal published a full page spread on us before we even opened. And it was based off of the samples we had given them. And the fact that this concept was so explosive and so just desired by the community that they were willing to do a whole page spread. And from that, we got on the Today Show that evening. And then the next week, the Today Show twice in two weeks. Well, the entire, the New York scene was exploded nationally. They were talking about us and we hadn't even opened up our doors yet. And that's when you're like, if ever a concept is proven that there is a need state for it. There's a white space, there's desirability and like almost that explosive like excitement for what you have to offer. We are like, now it's just up to us. Now we have to deliver the product. So cool. what year was that? What year, what year? Remember? Uh, 2014. That's awesome. That was like the same time as the Cronut and all yeah. the other stuff that was hot. I mean, there was a lot of new hot innovative foods at that time. We learned a lot from the cronut and um, we were watching them very closely because it was that sort of like foodie scene was just coming on the market. And we said, we love what he's doing. We love the line thing, but we want to have a bagel for everybody. So rather than um, taking that, that strategy of making limited quantities and, you know, forging a line, we said, let's make enough that everyone can get it. And then they'll keep eating it and eat it every day. And then ultimately that'll bubble up to what our dream was now, every grocery store, Starbucks cafe in America. Yeah. Yeah. But to begin with, you were just trying to pay the rent. All right. I mean, in the, (laughs) I mean, just, I mean, the rent in New York city to cover that, you got to sell a lot of bagels. Um, yeah, a lot. You got to sell. Yeah. There's a lot of hard work. I I was working 18 hour shifts at the beginning and Nick would work his day job and then come work night shift. And we would just nonstop. It was like the kind of ground up hustle that 
uh, forges this personal connection with you and your brand that is just like it, we're inseparable. You know, it's like our first child. What what did you what did you hate about it? Uh, what was tough about the early days was the unpredictability of foot traffic. So mm. in New York, and that was when we learned really, really quickly to pivot to someone else's store, you know? Yeah. So we anchored ourselves and our brand and our product authenticity in the store, which still exists and the New Yorkness of it. But what we realized was Starbucks already has the model down. They already have their stores. They're operating. Their traffic is there. Um, grow, you know, Safeway, Target, they already have a store. So we thought we need to pivot because they're getting through the winter months where New York is, you know, hardly anyone's walking up and down the street. So we need to get into like their vehicles where we can just, they get people in the door and it's our job to get the product off the shelf. But that felt like a less of an uphill battle for us because the infrastructure existed and we just had to like jump off of the page basically. Yeah. How did you get into those stores? Did you, did you go knocking door to door? Did you call in the regional store? What, oh, what, yeah. what did you do to make that happen? At the beginning, it's nothing. It was nothing but grind and um, cold call and hustle and putting together really smart emails. We got a lot of really, really good buzz from press that we capitalized on. The press yeah. is the most amazing vehicle because they mean it. Like they mean yeah. it. They're genuine. Yeah. And people listen because they're not getting paid to write about you. They're writing about you because they like it and they mean it. So um, that created a genuine interest and buzz around the community for our bagels. And when we were would cold call people or send out emails, they would say, oh, I heard of you because of Oprah's favorite things. Or I heard of you because of Shark Tank. And that really was helpful to get in the door. We got a, you know, a response from a cold email we sent to someone at Starbucks who said, I freaking love your bagels. I bring people to your shop, come on in. And we showed up to their office and it was like, we were being on candid camera gagged. Like they, everyone was coming in saying, can I take selfies with you guys? I've, I've read about you. I've seen your story. I love your shop. And that sort of like turned into momentum where they allowed us to launch at three stores. And those three stores very quickly turned into 30, turned into 50, turned, you know, and yeah. we were personally delivering every bagel. We were personally going on the ground and sampling them to customers and like spreading the love from the ground up. And we did the same thing with groceries right now, grocery stores. It was just like emails, figuring it out, going to trade shows, making connections and making the most of every single moment and every single person we could possibly connect with, um, making the most out of it. Let me take a quick break. I want to come back. I got two big questions I want to ask you, but what you're talking about is hustle. And I love to yeah. hustle. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I'm going to hustle for, I'm going to hustle some ads. That's what I'm going to do. Take a quick okay. break. Yeah. Right. <laughs> C-Suite Radio. Hey, we are back live right here on LinkedIn and Facebook as we bring you an episode of All Business with Jeffrey Hazel right here on C-Suite Radio. I'm talking to Elise Olashak, and she is the co-founder of Bantam Bagels. One of the things that I think, what I hear you talking about, and I talk about this all the time, is you got to be a brand. And by being a brand, you got to tell a story, tell the story, you know, get out there. You got to become a media company. And everything that you're telling me right now is that you guys were a media company. Basically, you're telling your story all the time. Yeah, we um, there, you know, to be a small brand in a big box environment, like if you look at the grocery store right now, it's yeah. Eggos, Jimmy Dean, Tozer Strudels, 
Bantam, you know, and we're like these little guys and they're established and they've been there for years and years. They're, you know, an obvious put in your cart and we need to stand out using something different. And this is the day and age, like where we grew up professionally here, the last six years of Phantom is like people, people want more. They want to connect. They want to hear a story. They want to be inspired. So we, if that's what we can give, and if we can connect personally to people and, you know, give that reason that they trust us a little bit more, they believe in us a little bit more. They know that whatever they buy is going to be the best thing ever. Cause they know Nick and I have been up till midnight for months on end, developing the recipe that makes a difference. And so you're right. Like you have to remind people and you have to tell that story or else they don't know, but hopefully, you know, hopefully it, it helps to inspire. And I like, to me, the human connection is the best part of this business. So one of the other big successes for you was QVC. How does how does food end up on QVC? I don't normally see that as a as a normal thing that's on QVC. No, they have tons of food programming. People really? Love, oh I, yeah, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. So, so how did you get there? Was that Lori's connection too? Because she was big, or did you? Do that? Yeah. So we ended up on QVC before Lori. It was a very. Um, say yes and make it happen story. Yeah. So the QVC buyer called us because she saw us in a magazine. She actually called us and said, we're really hard to work with. Um, can you <laughs> give me, can, no, really? And we're like, okay. Well, that, that, I, I love people that are up front. Like, hey, we're going to be a pain in the ass, but we're worth it. Okay. But she's yeah. direct and that's what a New Yorker respects. So we yeah. loved her off the bat. And she said, um, can you make me 30,000 bagels for on air in two weeks. And we were like, yeah, hang up the phone, look around. We have like uh, less than a thousand square feet and like five staff members. And we were like, what did we just sign up for? So we just made it happen. We started charting out 24 hour cycles of the bakery. How many bagels can we fill within 24 hours? How many do we need to get done? How many people do we need here? We were, Nick was doing overnights. I was doing during the day. I was six months pregnant. We had this whole system down. We um, rented, we overhauled the whole basement, put freezers in there because you needed somewhere to put the product. Once we, once we, um, totally filled that up. We rented space out in Long Island. We were just, we were a machine. It was two weeks, nothing, can't stop, won't stop kind of thing down to the final bagel. We drop everything off. It's the night before. And we were like, nutrition facts. We don't have nutrition facts. We're a food company. We don't have nutrition facts. So we email everyone in our network. We're Googling how to make a nutrition fact. We're (laughs) figure it out, get in the freezer, but labels and everything get on air the very next day. We're like, whoop, we're here. Like it's show ready. You know, we get on TV and they give you a seven minute segment. And mind you, the last two weeks of our lives, we even had to shut down the shop because we didn't even have enough capacity to also service our shop customers. So we, we risked all of our shop revenue. We had paid all of our employees. We had all of our money at the time tied up in this inventory. It had to sell. We get on air you basically black out and we start selling and we sold out within five minutes. Whoa. Yeah. (laughs) That's exciting. But at the same time, that's an Oh shit moment because now what we got to go do it again. Right. Yeah. Then they needed another order and we were like, we're going to need a bigger boat. 
So that's yeah. when we uh, <laughs> went back to, you know, the bagel community. We use a lot. We did a lot of work like hustling in the bagel community in New York. We knew nothing. We came from Wall Street. So I would walk in and out of different bagel shops that I thought were good bagel shops in New York. And I would say, hey, is your manager here? And like talk to them and say, where do you actually make the bagels? I know you don't make them here. Do you have another facility? And I was calling around and that ended up leading us to, you know, one person after another person to let us to um, Frank, the bagel guy yeah. who ended yeah. up, you know, helping us find a co-man. So we yeah. had, finally were able to use a co-packer to bake and fill our orders. While which is what, life. which is the way you should do it. And that's, right. you know, to get to the scale. Otherwise, I mean, you, you're going to quit your kids, quit your life, quit everything. Oh, yeah. I'm curious about, uh, we got a couple minutes left. I'm curious about two things that related to QVC, the seven minutes, and the two or three minutes that you had on Shark Tank. How much preparation did you do, Elise, in terms of prepping for those seven minutes and prepping for that pitch? Because you get one shot. Yeah. You don't get, you don't get another shot. You get one shot. You get, how much, how much time did you, you know, like when I was a judge on Celebrity Apprentice, I knew what they were going to ask me. I knew when they were going to ask me. I didn't know the questions or anything, but I, I watched enough shows to know as a judge, this is what they're going to expect. I should probably have some good one-liners ready. I should, you know, practice a little bit. How much yep, of that yep, did yep. you do? Yeah. Um, um, as most, as much as you could imagine and more, like put it this way, Nick and I, we went to Columbia and I studied harder for the Shark Tank pitch than I did for my SATs. We had study <laughs> guides, we had numbers, we would walk around and we'd quiz each other. We created fake panels. We watched every single episode ever aired, wrote down any questions that they asked, good, bad, you know, poking hole questions, and we would prep our answers. We, I've never been so prepared for anything in my life. And the truth is, I think if you, if you have a big, big moment, it's only going to be a big moment if you own it and you make something yeah, of it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, anyone. How, how nervous were you on each one of those? Well, I think by then you kind of like black out and you just yeah. like, because you prepared, you just live yeah. through it and you're like, Oh my God, did that happen? Did I, but so you're so prepared. Nerves don't even like, there's no room for nerves. You're working on you're preparing. And even yeah. to this day, like, as we went on our, um, you know, we've done capital raising, we, we got acquired and we're still running the show, all of that, uh, you know, Shark Tank and everything prepared us for all of these sales pitches. Nick and I, we still personally call on um, many grocery stores and buyers across the country. And we're always in hot, you know, very intense environments. And that preparation, that er those early days lessons and like what you can achieve if you're just ready for it definitely carry that with us now. Yeah. I love, I love the big thing about using someone else's store. OPM. I love OPM. Yes. Other people's money. I like using that. <laughs> no, listen, it was still my money. I was still paying the slotting. I was paying everything. But what I realized was when you're starting a business, you got a lot of battles and you have to pick which battle you're going to fight. Yeah. And so what was I your biggest with that? Cause, cause you know, you came from wall street, you come from these things. You don't know what you don't know. Right. So and not, a lot of that helps you, but sometimes it hurts you. What was the biggest one that hurt you? Like, uh oh, I didn't know about that. Um, 
not knowing about the gross, the nuances and yeah. just how complex the grocery yeah. business is. You, you mentioned slotting, you know, for instance, a lot of people don't know that you pay for positioning, you pay for shelf space, you pay for a lot of these things. You, yeah. That's a, that's a big learning curve, right? Um, it was a major. And I think like also in the grocery space, a lot of people, when we didn't know either, um, you know, anytime there's a coupon or a deal on the shelf, like, you know, right now, uh, target say, we're regularly $4.99, but for two weeks, it'll be $3.99. The people who pay for that is the um, the brand, not the yeah. store. So I didn't, you know, we didn't know about this. It's called trade spend. And so there's, it's a whole strategy for customer acquisition, for customer retention, for seasonality. It's very important part of business and everybody runs deals. Um, we didn't know about that. And that was part of the issue that um, as like the bigger and bigger and more successful we got, the more we realize like, oh my God, it takes more and more money to make money. Like it takes money to make money. Everybody knows that, yeah. but the bigger you get, the more it takes. So like you get- Bigger into- zeros, more zeros. Yeah, yeah exactly. a lot more zeros. <laughs> yeah. Not, just, zero, not right. just zeros in bagels. There's zeros when you make the bagels and sell right. the bagels. <laughs> no, I don't know that we would have planned anything differently. Like we, yeah. we were just, we were saying yes and figuring it out, but uh, we didn't realize that- you know, you, you get into a major grocery chain, it might be nine months that you're filling orders. Um, you have to market your stuff on the shelf. You have to buy all of your product. You got to ship all your products. You got to warehouse all your product, everything almost, you know, six to nine months, a new account before you get your first check from them because of deductions, because of slotting, because of, you know, whatever else is going on. So that ends up being like, something that you chase as you grow. And, you know, we ended up having to find creative ways to figure it out. Fantastic. Well, lots of lessons and great stuff. Great product, great success. Kudos to you and your husband, Nick, and to the whole family. Thanks so much for being with us today on All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Thank you. And you can find us in any, pretty much any grocery store in America in the frozen breakfast section. There you go, folks. You heard it right here. Bantam bagels. Don't forget, you know, pop one of those. Actually, pop 10, 15 of them. What the hell? Go for it. Make it good. All right. Thank you, Elise. We'll let you go. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Hey, on every show, I like to talk about what did I learn? And I'll tell you what I liked. I thought someone else's store, like OPM, that's what she said. She said, hey, we were working our rear ends off and that was good. They were doing well. I mean, extremely well. You heard from the, from the different stories that she had. And she's obviously very excited. Even though she's already sold the business, she's excited. But she said, hey, you know, we couldn't go beyond our store. If we didn't get in somebody else's store, we get in somebody else's store, we can do a lot more. So let's get more stores. OPM are the people's money. That's what it reminds me of. And that's what I learned right here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. You're listening to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by C-Suite Radio, a podcast network featuring today's top business experts and is part of the C-Suite Network, the world's most trusted network of C-Suite executives. Find this and other business podcasts on c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.